Esther chapter 3. Starting in verse 1. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, and advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at king, the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? And when they had spoken to him day after day, he would not listen to them. They told Haman in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai, Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So as they had made known to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. In the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast pur, that is, they cast lots, before Haman day after day, and they cast it month after month till the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people, and they do not keep the king's law, so that it, so that it is not the king's profit to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business, that they may put it into the king's treasuries. So the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, The money is given to you, the people also, to do with, with them as it seems best to you. Then the king's scribes were summoned on the thirteenth day of the first month, and, and an edict, according to all that Haman commanded, was written to the king's satraps and to the governors over all the provinces and to the officials of all the people, to every province in its own script, and every people in its own language. It was written in the name of King Ahasuerus and sealed with the king's signet ring. Letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with instructions to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, in one day, the thirteenth day of the twelfth month which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. A copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province by proclaiming to all the people to be ready for that day. The couriers went out hurriedly by order of the king, and the decree was issued in Susa the citadel. And the king and Haman sat down to drink." But the whole city of Susa was thrown into confusion. 
exciting times? Were, were you expecting that to be the, 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 the next event? It starts with after these things, many trans, translations, versions, translate those words, uh, that, that beginning phrase in that manner, after these things. So if we, if, if we hadn't had a one-week uh, or two-week interruption from Esther 2 to Esther 3, we might remember more what happened in Esther 2. Maybe not, because even a whole week we can forget, uh, uh, you know, an incredible amount of, uh, of things. But remember back in, in, in the last paragraph of chapter 2, we had Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. He's one of the officials that's there at, at, at the king's gates, it, it would seem, that he has some official type uh, position uh, where business was transacted, where, uh, where sometimes court cases were, were handled. Mordecai's there. He hears two of the king's eunuchs, Big Than and Teresh, plotting to kill the king. He, Mordecai gets word to Esther. Esther gets word to uh, King uh, Ahasuerus. The whole thing is investigated, and Big Than and Teresh are no more. They kill them. They hang them. They impale them on these stakes, and, you know, just as a deterrent, look what happens if you plot against the king. So you're reading that. Mordecai has just saved the king's life. They wrote it down in the, in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings. And after these things, if you're anticipating, thinking, what's going to happen? They're, they're fixing to get into this whole thing about how Mordecai was, was rewarded, right? Wrong. All of a sudden, he jumps. You know, sometimes you can sit and, and watch a show or a movie with somebody, and they're good at anticipating what's going to happen. And it's like, oh, that's the person that did it. This is fixing to happen. And so, so if, if, if you're that sort of person and you're reading that, okay, Mordecai is fixing to be rewarded. But no. He, all of a sudden we get um, the opposite of that. After these things, King Ahasuerus promotes Haman the Agagite. Now, when we read on down a, a, a few verses, we see that this, in verse 7, this is in the 12th year. What was chapter, when did chapter 2 occur? In the seventh year. When did chapter 1 occur? In the third year. So it's, he's, we're, we're jumping in time and, you know, first four years, then, now my math isn't going to fail me. Four years, then five years. And so, you know, a few years later, all of a sudden, Ahasuerus promotes Haman the Agagite. Who is Haman? Why did the king promote him? Well, the text doesn't really tell us why he promoted him. But remembering back in, in chapter 1, what did the king's advisors tell him to do? Get rid of Ashti. She didn't obey you. Send her away to never be in your side again. Maybe not the best advisors. You know, in, in, in chapter 2, they say, well, let's have this, this beauty contest and the king doesn't always get the best advice from his, the, the advisors that he has. Some consider him to be very much a weakling who was dominated by eunuchs. So it, it almost seems like, well, maybe he's, okay, I've been in this position 12 years. I've listened to all these bozos for 12 years. I, I need to get somebody that's smarter. 
And he says, that guy right there, he's, he's it. Haman, the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha. Well, I mean, he's got the name that's perfect for a bad guy, right? The son of Hamadatha. Just, he, he, he's a bad guy. What do we know about him? Who is, who is Haman? Where did he come from? Do you, do you know who the Agagites are? Amalekites. Do you remember Agag, the king of the Amalekites? The Amalekites are who going way back? I just asked that as a question so I could get on the right page. We, we first meet Amalek in, in, uh, in, in Genesis. Apparently I didn't write it down, but it's in the uh, in the genealogy of Esau. Well, who was Esau? Isaac's son, the firstborn, but God chose Jacob. Esau's son, uh, Eliphaz, had a couple of wives, but he had a concubine. And, and, and Esau's son's concubine bore Amalek. So he's, in a sense, related to the Jews, sort of a cousin, like the Edomites were cousins, but sometimes cousins don't get along. There's, there's jealousy. Why does God love Israel more than, than the descendants of Esau? And so as, as time goes on, they separate. They, they each have their own land mass. And then we, we meet them in the book of Exodus, probably a couple of months after Israel leaves Egypt. They're on their way to Sinai. And just before they get to Sinai, at, on, on the Sinai Peninsula, but f just before they get to the, to the mountain of God at, at Rephidim, the Amalekites attack Israel. Why would they attack Israel? These people have been living in bondage and slavery for several hundred years, but the Amalekites attacked them. Why would they attack them? Remember, when Israel was getting ready to leave and, and God told Moses, tell the people to ask Egypt for silver and gold and gold jewelry and, and clothing. It said that God gave Israel favor in the sight of the Egyptians and they gave them all of this plunder. It said that thus Israel plundered the Egyptians. So when they left, they had all this silver and gold, these riches, and, and they're taking it with them as they leave, as they leave Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They're going to the mountain where God's going to give them the law. And the Amalekites attack them. From Deuteronomy um, around 27, I think, we, we learned that they attacked the rear where the women and the, and the stragglers were. The Amalekites attacked them there. And, 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 uh, God says, I will blot out the Amalekites. And, but, but through the, the, the years, the Amalekites torment Israel. They're always attacking them. In, in Judges, you remember Gideon, his, his, his fight was against the Amalekites. But then we come, probably the best, David even fought the Amalekites, but maybe the best known, biggest occurrence of Israel and the Amalekites was in 1 Samuel 15. When, when, when Samuel goes to Saul and says, go up against the Amalekites, utterly destroy them. 
don't take any spoil, destroy all of them. But it was God's judgment on the Amalekites. And what did Saul do? He goes. He fights against them. He, he kills them, but he sees Agag. Haman is a son, a descendant of, apparently, of Agag, the king of the Amalekites. He sees Agag, okay, I'm going to spare him. You know, they got some pretty good cattle over here and some pretty good sheep over here. I'm going to save that too. God told him to wipe out the, all of them. Don't take any spoils, but he did. God tells Samuel what Saul had done. Samuel goes to, uh, to, to check it out to see what's going on. And, 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 and Saul says, I've done what you said. And, and then Saul, Samuel says one of those real famous um, lines in the Bible. Remember what it is? What is that bleeding I hear and that lowing? If you've done everything you, you said that God told you to do, why do I hear sheep in the background and cows in the background? And, and, and Saul didn't did not obey the Lord. At that point, the kingdom was, was pulled from him and, and, and God gave it to David and then the line of David through history. So here we have Israel, those who are remaining in, 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 in Babylon and Persia. Remember, we're, now we're at the time of, of, of the Medes and the Persians who have, have conquered Babylon. We're in Susa, one of the, one of the citadels, one of the, the capitals where uh, the king would stay at certain times of the year. Ahasuerus decides, I'm going to promote Haman and I'm going to put him above all the other officials. He's like the number two guy, the, the prime minister, the vice president. He's, there's no one except the king above Haman. Now, what do the Jews think? They know his background. He knows their background. But does he know Mordecai is a Jew? Probably not. Remember what Mordecai told Esther when she was chosen to be to go into the king's harem to be, uh, to be prepped for the king for one night. And he said, don't tell them that you're a Jew. So somehow Mordecai has, has kept this a secret, but now the king has promoted Haman, a descendant of one of the, 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 the ancient foes of Israel the Amalekites, to a position above everyone except the king himself. And then the king says, when you see, Ma when you see Haman, everyone is to bow down and pay homage. I don't think that's necessarily a worshiping event as much as it is a respect. Show him respect that the custom was, was to bow, to pay homage to someone who is a, a higher position. But Mordecai doesn't bow and he doesn't pay homage day after day after day. And so the other people at the, at the gate, they notice this. It's kind of like when somebody, when you were a kid and they ratted you out for not closing your eyes when everybody was praying. How do they know he didn't bow down if they were bowing down? Or, or maybe it's a long line and the guys down there, they wait till he gets closer and they look. Haman didn't bow down. Haman didn't pay homage. And so they, they, they ask Mordecai, why is it that you, what, transgress the king's command? Why are you disobeying the king? 
We're supposed to obey Him. They ask Him day after day after day, and finally He gets worn out. You've been there when somebody bugs you, bugs you, bugs you, and you, you, you're, you, he, 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 he's tired of it. Okay, I'm going to tell you, I don't bow down to him because I'm a Jew. He's an Amalekite. We are, we are enemies. Now, is that the same Mordecai that we met in Chapter 2, what did Mordecai tell Esther? Don't tell anybody that you're a Jew. So just think about that for, for a minute. We'll come back to it. Why would Mordecai all of a sudden tell everyone that he's a Jew? And I think there's an old Baptist phrase that probably hits it pretty close. But, but, but you decide. Just, just let that bounce around in the cranial cavity for you know, the next 10 or 15 minutes, and, and, and we'll see what happens. So Mordecai tells everybody at the gate, I'm a Jew. I'm not bowing down to him. I'm not paying uh, respect or homage to him. So they tell Haman. Now, they, they're, they're sort of acting like they're doing a good thing. It's like, well, let's just see what Haman thinks about it and see if it's okay, if that's a good reason. They know Haman's not going to think this is a good reason, but, but they ask him, you know, they, they say, okay, Haman, Mordecai's not bowing down. Haman could have not even noticed it had they not told him. He says, and, and he won't bow down because he says he's a Jew. What is Haman's reaction. The end of verse 5, he was filled with fury. Does your translation have another? Wrath. Wrath. It's like they say it means he's mad on mad. He's, he's double mad. He's as mad as he can be that this Jew will not bow and show respect for, after all, the king made me the number two man. Everybody should, should respect that. And the king decreed that they have to do it. You know, Haman's probably already got a bad reputation. I think jo Joyce Baldwin, a, a, a scholar who's written a, a, a well-known commentary on Esther, says that he probably wasn't well-respected or the king wouldn't have had to have made this decree, this law that they have to bow down. But it says Haman was... He, he disdained, did you use that word any at all in this past week? Pretty sure, I, I might have thought it, but I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't use that word. He disdained putting only hey, um, Mordecai to death. He, he, it was repugnant to him. He, he... Uh, some, some translate it scorned. What it means, I, I looked it up to, I mean, because it's like I've heard this word, but what is disdain? It's a feeling that someone or something is unworthy of one's consideration. So he's like, it's not worth my consideration to kill just Mordecai 
I got to kill all the Jews. After all, this is an ancient foe of Israel, the, the Amalekites. But there's an even more ancient foe of Israel who is behind this whole plot. What is the whole plot? If we kill all of the Jews 500 years, and Satan doesn't know, but 500 years before Messiah, then there will be no Messiah. This is the pinup. To, okay, this is the main ancient foe of Israel and all of humanity that's behind this plot. The Satan himself. It's like this will be a way to get rid of of God's plan to send Messiah through the nation of Israel. So Mordecai begins to. I mean Haman, and the names are one's an M and one's an H, but somehow they. You know, they almost look alike, so they, they, you, it's easy to get confused. Haman begins to, um, to plot killing all of the Jews. Now, how does he go about doing it? Have you ever done this? Don't raise your hand. It says they cast per, which is lots, you know, dice or, or some other. They are, they are religious spiritual, superstitious, but not believing in the one true God. And it's like, we can't, we've got to find out the right day that the fates say to do this. And so it says they begin casting lots. They're doing this in the first month of the year, which is Nisan. And there might be a better way of pronouncing that. It's not the car. It's the first month of the, of the Jewish year. And they cast per, and they cast it. It seems in such a way that, okay, we're going to do the month. And they, they, day after day, they cast the lots until and, and they get the, the right combination. Oh, okay, it's going to be the month of Adar. And then later we're going to see they even picked it the day, the 13th day of Adar that, that they set aside. Once they get that day, the month and day determined by casting lots, Haman then goes into the king. And what does he say? It's the middle of verse 8. There's a certain people scattered abroad and dis dis dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Remember, there's 127 provinces from India down to Ethiopia, Egypt. It's, it's a vast empire. And, and the, these people are spread out in all of your empire. Their laws are different. They don't keep the king's law. And it's not profitable for the king to tolerate them. He says, if it pleases the king, I'm going to give you 10,000 talents of silver to put in the king's treasury so that we can kill all these people. What does King Ahasuerus do? Verse 10, he takes his signet ring, he gives it to Haman, the enemy of the Jews, and he says, the money is yours, and the people are also do what seems best. 
Now, we know which people Haman was against, the Jews, but did Ahasuerus? He doesn't even ask Haman, who are these people? You know, how many people groups are in this 127 different provinces of the Persian Empire? You know, hundreds, if not maybe a thousand different people groups that are, that are in this. And, and Ahasuerus is like, okay, if you say so. I mean, he thought he got some bad advice in chapter 1 when he said, get rid of Vashti. Haman is even, even worse. And just look at the total disregard that both of them have for any kind of human life. I think it's his heritage and the Jewish heritage that he is an Amalekite. Why did Hitler not like Hitler was an Amalekite? I don't know. I mean, yeah. So. Right. They, Cyrus said, you can go back. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some money and go back and help you rebuild the temple. And now, maybe four generations after that, that, that Ahasuerus is just, hmm, okay. He doesn't even ask who it is. But I think it's, I think it's the Hatfields and the McCoys, you know, 2,000 years later that, that, you know, those generations and they just hate each other. Now, not every, I mean, I shouldn't even give you this disclaimer, but not every scholar thinks that Haman was a descendant of that, of the Amalekites. Some say, well, that Agagite was, yeah, I know. But, but you know, I mean, there's always got to be somebody that's got to be contrary. And they say, well, no, this was just a, a Mede, uh, one of the kingdoms of, of the Medes. So I think it's just, it is a plot of Satan to get rid of the Jews. So the king agrees, do what you want. Now, and, and does he give the money back? It sounds like he's saying, I don't need the money. Just, you know, you keep the money. And this wasn't the first time that uh, Ahasuerus had done that sort of thing. Remember, first or second year of his, of his being king, what did he do? He went to Greece to fight the Greeks. Where else do you go to fight the Greeks? He went to Greece to, to, to uh, uh, revenge the defeat that his father, the ki previous king, had had. On his way, he's in uh, Asia Minor, um, Lydia. The capital of Lydia is Sardis. And we're going to, uh, Corey's going to get to Sardis here in a couple weeks in, in, in Revelation. But he's on his way there. This, um, Oh, Hithias of, of, of Lydia goes out and meets and meets 
Ahasuerus on his way to fight the, the, the Greeks there, the Battle of Marathon and, and, and Thermopylae. And he, and he says, um, here is five and a half million sterling. I want to support you in fighting the Greeks. You know, it's, it's one, one ancient record of it says it's 7,000 gold derricks. I don't know what a derrick is, uh, sterling, but it's a lot of money that he offers. He offered Ahasuerus to, to, to go to, to help support his, his uh, uh, expedition to, to Greece. And, and Ahasuerus, he is so overcome by the, the loyalty that, that Pythias is showing him that he says, no, that's okay. I don't need it. Now, who turns down that kind of money? He's trying to maybe make like he has more than he re really does. Anyhow, he, he says, no, I don't need it. He even gives Pythias a present. So as they continue, then Pythias has five sons. And he asks Ahasuerus, hey, will you spare my oldest from this battle you're fixing to fight with Greece? And, and Ahasuerus says, yeah, I'll spare him. And they cut him in half. He kills the son of this guy who just offered him five and a half million sterling. And then they put the two halves on each side of the army and the army marches between it. So Ahasuerus is maybe not playing. I mean, he is an evil, evil king. And, and maybe not the, you know, the, the, the brightest bulb in the, in the room. And, he, and so he, he says, go and do what you want to do. So what does, what happens? Haman gets with the, with, with the scribes. They're summoned. Notice what day they're summoned. The 13th day of the first month. And this edict is written. And they send it out to all 127 provinces. They send it with, with and they, they go there in verse 15. They hurriedly go out and tell and, and, and spread this news, deliver this edict, this decree that all the Jews... Young, old, men, women, children are what? They're going to be destroyed, they're going to be killed, and they're going to be annihilated. All of those things. They're going to totally eliminate the Jews, and they're going to plunder their goods. You know, maybe that's where uh, Haman thought he's going to make up. I'm going to give him 10,000 um, talents of gold, I mean of silver. Now a talent is about 75 pounds. So I think, I think one estimation was, it was like 750, uh, no, 375 tons of silver. That's a lot that, that he offered him and Hosterus said, no, I don't need it. Because he knows we're gonna plunder all of the, the, the Jewish goods, which when God told Saul to destroy that, the Amalekites, 1 Samuel 15, he said, don't take any of their goods. Destroy them, their king, but don't take any of their goods because this is the judgment of the Lord on, on the Amalekites for what they did to Israel as they were coming out of, out of Egypt. So they send out this decree, and then what? Just like in perfect form, Ahasuerus and Haman says, they sat down to drink. It's like, man, that was a hard day. You know, we got it done, and now let's, you know, let's go have a drink. What happens to the city? The city is thrown into confusion or an uproar. Why? 
Well, if, it's, if they're destroying the Jews today, then who's it going to be tomorrow? If Haman just decides that this other group needs to be destroyed, then, then who's, you know, who's next? And, 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 and they're in an, an uproar over this, this happening. So, what do we make of this? What can we glean from this? Is there anything in this chapter that points to God's redemptive plan? Not yet, but it's coming, but maybe there is. What day do they send out the decree? The 13th of Nisan. And I know everybody in here knows what the 13th of Nisan is. It's the day before the 14th of Nisan, right? What is the 14th of Nisan? Passover. The day before Passover. Now, what did Passover commemorate? God's deliverance from Egypt. And it occurred to me there's maybe two different ways to view this. If I was, even if it was happening to us today, but if I was a, 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 a Jew living in Seuss, it doesn't matter where you're living, within the whole Persian Empire, any of the 127 provinces, you take your pick. You could have been one of the faithful that went back to uh, to, to J Judea, to Palestine, to Israel, to help rebuild the temple, help rebuild the city. On the 13th day, the day before Passover, is it like, oh man, this is just a bad coincidence, you know? A thousand years ago, God delivered us from Israel, I mean from Egypt, on the 14th of Nisan, and now, the day before, we get this word, we're going to be annihilated. So you could take the negative side of, oh, this, this is bad. Or you could take the positive side and God delivered us then and he will deliver us now. And sometimes we have the same, you know, it's like we forget what God had done, has done before. And that he will conquer, like Corey said, the Revelation, it's much like the second half of Daniel, that you can just boil it down to God wins, no matter what the situation looks like. So these Jews, are, they're, they're, they're living there. They get this decree. I think some probably thought, yeah, he just thinks he's going to destroy us. And some might have really been worried. Notice they give them 11 months to worry about it or 11 months to prepare. What else? It could have been. If there's a reason, Proverbs... Um, 16.33 says, man casts the lots in his lap, but God determines the results. That God is in, 
in control. You talk about a politician. Haman would fit right in, wouldn't he, today? I mean, it's, it, he just is what he says about the Jews. They're different. They don't keep the king's laws. And it's no profit to the king to have them around. It's like, well, maybe there's a little bit of truth in there. Are they different? Are their laws different? Yes. You know, the King James says that, that God called them to be a peculiar people, more of the, 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 the more modern contemporary translations say a treasured possession. Yeah, they're different. God called the Jews to be different. And did, was it true that it wasn't to the king's profit to tolerate them? Absolutely not. God had told Abraham what? Through you, all nations will be blessed. Persia is in that category of one of the all nations. And so Haman is giving the king bad advice. That's, it's, it may sound okay, but, it, but it's not true. And God had told Abraham and every generation after that that all nations are going to be blessed by you. And yet, Ahasuerus falls for that, 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 that trick, that, that false statement. Jeremiah had even told them just uh, some... Okay, this is in about 474 B.C. Cyrus sent them back in 536 B.C. prior to that. So 36, 24 is 60. So 70 years earlier that Jeremiah had, you know, proclaimed, you know, pray for Babylon. Build houses. Pray for them. That, that even in captivity, they were to be a blessing to all of the, the nations. Okay, remember the first question or the preponderance? What was it? Because I've forgotten. No, it's like, what about Mordecai? Why did all of a sudden he tell everybody that he's a Jew? I like how Dr. Reichman was like, well, you know, this guy says this and he, he has the right to be wrong. I don't want to. Here's what I'm thinking. Mordecai, you know, now it's been, now it's the 12th year, five years after he gave Esther that advice to don't tell anybody that I'm a Jew. I think Mordecai has had a revival in his life that he was, that he maybe thought it probably wasn't good that I told her not to tell. You know, that, that starting out, he was kind of like, eh, let's play the game, let's learn to get along, let's do this. But at some point, and Mordecai is going to become even a bigger hero as we go through the, the next few chapters. But I think Mordecai, the Baptist term is, he rededicated his life. That, that Mordecai decides, you know, maybe I should have gone back to Jerusalem at some point. Maybe I should have told Esther to tell them that she's a Jew. 
and that finally he takes his stand and identifies as one of God's people. What does that tell us? It's never too late. You know, it's never too late for us to renew our, it's not really relationship, but maybe our, how we're, how we, how we live for the Lord. No matter what we've done before, it's never too late, you know, that we can put our focus on serving Him. Okay, chapter 4 next week. Any other observations, questions? Observations are better than questions. Good point. And in um, the United States of America, maybe we don't see that firsthand, at least on the scale that, that, that people in other countries do. Nepal, I have a guy I work with, his son is, had just gone to Chad to be a missionary, and they had to escape, like literally take just whatever they could grab and go uh, but because of insurrection and fighting that was there, you know, and, and the believers who live there, you know, they, they couldn't all just escape. And so that the church in the world as a whole faces Haman's every day. And the ultimate Haman, the ancient foe of all mankind, attacks us daily. This is a very... Obvious attacks. Some of the attacks are more subtle. Well, let's pray and then we'll, we'll go. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. God, we, we know that your name is not mentioned in the book of Esther, but your hand is obvious in moving all these events that happen. And God, that your hand is also obvious in our lives. Lord, just lead us to be the your people, to be faithful in whatever task you set before us, whether it's visiting the sick or sharing the gospel with those we meet. God, just, just use us even though we're flawed, that it's by your, your power, by your Holy Spirit, that your work is done through, through your people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.